Yo, yo. Welcome back to Lost in Transition. My name is Riyadh. My name is Kevin. This is our new NBA podcast where we discuss and debate NBA topics. Today is Tuesday, March 30th. Coming up, we're going to discuss some of the biggest trades over the past week or so and how they have impacted the league um, going forward. Stand by. hiatus um, from recording an episode uh, we wanted to kind of wait till all the chips fell where they may in the uh, trade deadline um, you noticed at the top that uh, Songo was out and we'll let um, our NBA spokesperson explain Songo's absence yes yeah, so Songo uh, is out right now due to health and safety protocols um, we are expecting him to be returned back with the team within the next couple weeks uh, you know, we 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 hope uh, we hope the best for him. We miss him. Uh, we're ready to have him back. Um, you know, but we'll we'll get him back on here soon. Absolutely, very optimistic outlook for um, for the pod coming up. Yo, um, before we get into this, uh, I was just on Twitter. Did you see that uh, Rappaport tweet where he had the screenshots of KD? That was wild. KD like KD always is on social media twenty four seven, regardless. And like going back and forth with people, but that's the most like foul mouth that I've ever seen him get. Yeah, to. that was the most like unfiltered, uh, like language I've heard from an athlete. Ever. I mean, Rappaport is kind of a douche, but yeah, yeah. But um, but I'm saying like he he said like he said the c word. He like he he called him a cum guzzler. I think like it, it was yeah. You know, that was to me when I was reading that like a couple hours ago. I was just I was just like. We got to verify this somehow. I know, right? Uh, I saw like, and he said like, he chirped something about like Portnoy and then Portnoy immediately put up like a jersey swap with Katie, <laughs> like, a, <laughs> a, like a Photoshopped face of him and Katie. Yeah. I was fucking crying. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Um, um, yeah, I saw a lot of people backing Katie uh, over Rappaport on Twitter. Yeah, but it, the what I was saying about like, it reminds me of like when there would just be like, someone wins like a national championship or something or like college football college basketball like anything like that and then or like someone gets traded to a certain team and it shows like a tweet from them like in high school like man i would never play for the fucking lakers or something like that and <laughs> yeah. they like signed to the lakers yeah no it was it was crazy when i was reading it i was like i was like damn this is bold for Rappaport to uh release it and kind of reckless on kd's part yeah definitely i feel like it's so awkward too like he just hasn't played in like a month or two and it's just like you just go back to your teammates and you're like oh yeah i was just like chirping foul shit with michael Rappaport on twitter like <laughs> yeah what the fuck is going through their heads yeah um yeah that's that's funny um yeah just because of the um yeah i guess just the recklessness and just like he had to have known that might have like i this is the type of stuff that i respect from athletes in terms of like kd does you know he does have a lot of uh things you can criticize him for especially his um you know his relation with the media and everything but 
I think him just being authentic, you know, as much as he can and wants to be, I, I, I'll always respect that from athletes. Yeah. And I think it's also like, it's cool for like, maybe not to this extent, obviously with the language and stuff you use, but it's cool from like a fan perspective with that, like him and like, I know Dame does it and shit, like where they're actually like replying to people on Twitter yeah. and like in today's like, like rapid change and like internet and everything like that's almost like essentially like them being able to like look back on that and say oh like kevin durant like tweeted at me it's like the same thing of like the 90s of like getting an autograph like it's yeah like, it's something that you'll always have and like look back on which is kind of weird to think about yeah the the uh i guess the proximity and the access we have to you know people that we don't know that are famous is just getting higher and higher yeah. Um, I mean, now we're literally reading texts from people leaking, um, you know, people leaking personal texts of of them saying some wild shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe now that um, now that Katie's replying to all these people, maybe we just keep blowing his ass up on Twitter and trying to get him on the podcast. Yeah, he'll first uh, guest Kevin Durant. Yeah, first guest <laughs> next week. All right, you want to get into Tune it? In. All right, so uh, to get on a more serious note, uh, we got a lot of we had a lot of trades um, in the past week. Dude, I was Trade flying day. into Nashville, like trying to follow all this, like getting off the fl- off the flight, like scrolling through Twitter. I was like trying to get internet on the flight, like wasn't working. I was like, this is the worst time because like the trade deadline <laughs> was like two p.m. There, I was like scrolling through Twitter the whole time. My phone was about to die. It was a disaster, but yeah, we got you don't take it. A, you don't take a vacation on trade deadline day. I know, uh, you know, it's our first year doing the pod. I'll learn from my mistakes and, uh, you know, it won't happen again. I'll be better. Hand up. Okay. Sounds good. Um, all right. So some of the bigger moves, um, some of the, some of the, uh, best teams like the Nets and the Lakers, uh, did make a few moves. Um, obviously not any big, big, huge names that moved around. Um, but just some kind of ancillary pieces for certain teams um so we're gonna go ahead and kind of uh uh deep dive into uh dive deep into them and see um see how they are um following that those trades uh so uh starting off with the nets uh they seem to be the um main topic of conversation in the nba um a lot of opinions out there flying on like whether they're uh buying a championship uh where whether certain players are ring chasing. Um, we're not going to really get into that, but um, uh, the Nets did sign uh, Mark, Marcus Aldridge. He um, had played for the Spurs this year, if you were not aware. Um, didn't have didn't have very uh, good numbers. Uh, I think he hasn't even played in the last, like, two weeks. They yeah, been, I think out. they said when he gets back with the team in the next couple of days, like, it'll be, of like, pretty much a month, like, since he's played last. Yeah, so the Spurs, even though they're in the um, playoff hunt, they uh, they didn't see a use for him. Um, so there was a lot of uh, talk about whether he may be, um, you know, a little, getting a little too old. Can he really contribute to a contender? Um, the Nets obviously seem like they think he will contribute to them. Um, he, for me, he gives them uh, some veteran leadership and some good minutes in certain situations. Um, but to me, Aldridge is not an answer for the Nets. He uh, can't, you know, if he is their best big man, they didn't get significantly better. Um, I don't, I think it does bring them a little bit closer to um, 
to being more of a, a better defensive team with Blake and Aldridge um, with Blake Griffin and Aldridge um, because of just the flexibility and just their presence um, in the paint. Um, but I don't think it, it gives them a better opportunity to beat the Lakers. And um, if I had to pick between Aldridge and Griffin on who's, who might contribute more, I'll, I'll actually just, I think Griffin will just because of the uh, flexibility options in the lineup of him being able to play different roles um and then i also think he's a pretty good passer um so what did, what did you think uh so i agree with one point and i disagree with one point okay. uh, i think i agree with the flexibility part i think it gives them a lot of flexibility um it gives them a flexibility i don't really see i would find it hard to believe that either of these guys would be in their closing lineup down the stretch of a significant playoff series uh, I, I do think it gives them good bench options. I mean, if Aldridge comes off the bench and gives you like a six-minute stretch each half maybe, I mean, he still might be able to get you 14 points there. Um, I disagree with the defensive side. Uh, I think LaMarcus Aldridge is washed defensively. Um, he really struggled this season in San Antonio. I know we both don't watch a ton of Spurs, but the numbers and everything, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's he's pretty bad uh, all around defensively. He, he came out with a quote today saying, like, he plans to help them defensively and is with his IQ. Maybe his IQ, but, I mean, he's, he's, he's not a very good – I mean, he's obviously not a rim protector, so I don't think he helps them in that situation. Um, but, like I said, I do agree with the flexibility part. I'd probably go with Blake too um, in terms of down the stretch. He's a little bit of, he's a little, he's definitely a better passer than Aldridge. Um, I think he, he's still a better screener uh, than Aldridge. I mean, he's shown that obviously he still can dunk, which was, we talked about that last episode. It's fucking insane that he hadn't dunked in two years. Um, So I, I think that, is a benefit. So I, I think that it's kind of like what we talked about. The, their, their flexibility did get a little better uh, in terms of how they want to go in very different options, a lot of different talent. Uh, but defensively, they definitely didn't address that yet. I think they have one more roster spot. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. So you, you st- you're still looking for them to make another move. Yeah, I do. I think the, I mean, it's just ridiculous nowadays, but like it's the buyout market. Like if you're, if you're in that type of situation where you, you are getting bought out. You are already losing a little bit, a bit of money by agreeing to that buyout that they're just wanting to go to a championship caliber team or like someone that's right there. And I think if you're someone like the, I don't know, a specific buyout candidate that would go there, but like if you're some type of like defensive wing or like, I mean, they're not going to get a defensive center now because like, JaVale and Drummond are off the market and anything like that. Uh, but I still just think if you're like a defensive player, whether it's a guard defender or a wing defender, you're going to have opportunities to potentially play in certain important playoff minutes that I think they could still get someone there. Yeah, I, I would agree <clears throat> that they didn't address their main um, issue, which is, which is defense and especially um, down in the paint. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that, that's why I don't think it like signif- significantly moves the needle for them. Um, because I literally go back and forth every day, like on what team I think is the f- favorite to win it all, like between the Lakers and the Nets. Yeah, I'm I'm firmly on the Lakers. I know, yeah, I know you are. I but- think I think the Nets. I then I'm higher on them than than I was a month ago or so. Um, but I just. I, 
nothing for me has changed in terms of their defense. Like until right. they address that, like there's no reason for me to change my opinion. Yeah, no, and I agree. And there's like all the numbers show like no top 10. You have to be like at least top 10 in both offense. They're not defense. even like average. They're not even right. like average. I know they're still like in the mid twenties, yeah. but it's just like, I also don't know if we've ever seen in the history of the NBA, a collection of offensive talent as they have. Probably um not. So that's why I just keep going back and forth. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I know you do have to have a balance, but like good offense beats good defense. So that's why I kind of do lean them at times. But then also just, I mean, I, we're not going to spend too much time on it because um, we could talk about it for a while. But like that LeBron injury in year 18 really does scare me. Um, just the ambiguity of a high ankle sprain, like, some, I mean, I, it happened. At but I'm also, where... I'm also, uh, I'm also assuming that everybody's going to be healthy. Like right. I'm, ass- no, I'm I, assuming KD is going to be 100 percent too. Right. Which we don't know. But it's just the that type of high ankle sprain. Like people would come back from that and play and be normal by the playoffs. But like year 18, and I know LeBron's Superman. Like he's never hurt and shit, and takes care of his body. Spends like millions a year. Uh, that being said, like some people have talked about, like they even if you come back and play on a high ankle sprain. Uh, you are not playing at your apex. And we've seen LeBron against a KD type in the finals where he can like, you know, you're not stopping LeBron, but he can like give him fits a little bit. of yeah. And I just think with all the talent that they have in Brooklyn, if you do run into that type of circumstance, I think Brooklyn could beat them. Got it. Okay. So good transition to the Lakers. Um, you do, you said that you go a little, you go a little back and forth on like who you think, should be the favorite. Um, I think that, like I said, the Nets have, I think, um, in my opinion, improved their uh, championship, championship odds um, over the last month or so, especially with Harden killing it. Um, but I think the Lakers signing Drummond, <clears throat> who's who's younger than Aldridge um, and can play a specific role for the Lakers in terms of um, rebounding and uh, just being a big, big guy presence, um, kind of be, be that like Tristan Thompson role for LeBron that Tristan was in, in the, in Cleveland. Um, I do think that that signing, uh, solidifies them as, as the favorite. I don't think it's like a huge gap in terms of, you know, how, when the Warriors were favorites, um, over that four or five period stretch. Uh, but I do think it solidifies them because, um, and again, I'm assuming that AD and LeBron will be healthy, that the only thing they were missing this year is that um, Dwight Howard-McGee combination. And I know that Drummond's not like a, a rim protector like those two are, um, but it, it definitely gives them another body to throw in um, with Gasol, Montrez Harrell, AD. I think the combination of those four, they'd be able to take <clears throat> all of the pounding inside and um, – you know, gives, gives LeBron a little bit more freedom to play a perimeter position. And, um, and they also don't need him to play a big role. Like uh, Aldridge, if he's, you know, you know, they might be depending on Aldridge at the end of the game. Drummond, he's not going to be, you know, a a top five option at the end of the game. Yeah. I actually, it's kind of crazy to see. I saw some reports today, like potentially of, uh, Mark, I don't think it'll happen, but if Marcus Saul getting bought out, like they wouldn't outrule that, uh, which would be insane. 
Um, Has he been really that bad? I guess so. I've watched a lot of Lakers games. He didn't yeah. seem that bad. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if it's just like the fit with them, like kind of moving forward in the playoffs they don't like. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it was a good signing for them. I think Drummond is a good option, like you said, where they'll have multiple centers they can kind of have in a postseason type game. Uh, kind of how they had last year where I forget what series it was. I think it was maybe the um, Rockets one where like Dwight didn't even play. Um, so it gives them that flexibility where if they want to go with a more perimeter and so a big who can pass, they got Gasol. If you want someone who's just going to give you a ton of rebounding and bang down low. Yep. Um, but I, I don't really think this is like a huge move for them. I don't see Drummond ever being in, I shouldn't say ever. I don't see in like a conference finals or NBA finals type lineup where he's going to be in a closing lineup. Um, he's a 62% free throw shooter, which is absolutely horrible. Um, he's definitely a good rebounder. That's pretty much the only big part of his game. He's not as much as a roller as you'd think, or like as like Dwight or the JaVale would be. So I, I would have liked to, if I was a Lakers fan, I would have liked to see them try to go get uh JaVale back. Uh, I think he would have been a better fit, but, um, and, and then I know like some NBA Twitter was like, Oh, this is like the stopper for like Jokic or like to help stop Jokic or Embiid. It's like, no. Embiid averages 28 and 10 and he is has like multiple homes and real estate inside <laughs> Drummond's head like he is not an Embiid stopper at all um, yeah yeah not at all and and I think also that Drummond is just gonna play like he knows what his role is gonna be yeah and um let me fire this one at you real quick would you have made the trade for Kyle Lowry if you were the Lakers in giving up Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, Schroeder, and I think that was pretty much it that was in the trade. Maybe some other salary. I think match. That, I think I think they wanted Casey KCP. Also. Yeah, yeah, right. Would you have made that trade um, if you were the Lakers? When I first saw it um, as like proposed or, or they were in the talks, I was like, no, like you just got Schroeder. He's been your third best player on the team. You're just replacing you know, a similar player with maybe a, a higher caliber, similar player, but a lot older and um, is going to play s the s similar roles. So at first I wasn't, um, I think if the Lakers were a lot more worried about their chances, I think they would have pulled the trigger on Lowry. Yeah. Um, but, but I think they're pretty confident in, in the team that they have. And I don't, you know, Lowry would have been good for them this season. Maybe, maybe next year, next year, um, if they could have, possibly i'm sure they I mean, would have found a like, way to afford him, like 36 35 yeah and 35. he's gonna demand probably 25 next year yeah and um, he's a and he's a like a grinder he hits the floor a lot like he's probably gonna drop off a cliff a cliff at some point see i don't agree with that i think he's like such he knows how to use his body so well and like his game was never built on like pure quickness or anything like that yeah. i think it's more like deceptive knows how to use his fat butt um knows how to just kind of like play on or off the ball so i think i would have made that trade if i were them uh just because you, also you have lebron in year 18 like i feel like you're kind of all in on the next couple years so like you might like their timelines relatively i know you the lakers are gonna say oh we want to like build our future and have future assets but like i kind of feel like they're kind of yeah, but they have ad AD, I think it's a combo of, of all in and future. Like, I don't think they need to be all in. Yeah, but 
realistically once ad is or once lebron's gone and like i know you have ad but i don't know i guess stuff can happen but i don't see anything like ad and like kuzma and like taylor horton but i think i think it does i think it does matter how you're looking at it though because if you're thinking like oh, the Nets, you know, might be the actual favorites and we're not the favorites as the Lakers, then, yeah, we need to make a move now and get Lowry yeah. a more uh, proven player now. But if they're thinking we could still win the championship and we don't need to give up certain assets for the future, yeah. um, I think I think that's a good calculation because, I mean, I... You could I'd go still, either way on it. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, you could go either way in terms of like what we're talking about now, but it all depends like who in the organization, what they think yeah. in terms of like their chances this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I also, I think the Raptors also tried to get a lot way too much. for yeah. Lowry. I mean, yeah, they tried to get, year old. so they tried to get from us. They tried to get uh, Matisse. They tried to get uh, Maxi and two first. I was like, that's, that's absolutely insane. Like I was happy they didn't pull the trigger on that. I would have done Maxi in it first, but four valuable assets like that, hell no. We'll take a George Hill, who's like a lesser version of Hood on every level, um, but he still could be in closing lineups for us. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so um, I think that a lot of a lot of people do have the Nets and the Lakers as favorites in their respective conferences. Um, I, I have slightly different opinion. I still think the Sixers are the favorites in the East, um, but there are a few teams that made some moves um, that may have, may have brought them a little bit closer. Uh, one of those teams is the Nuggets. Um, I'm going to go ahead and. Uh... Yeah. So I thought the Nuggets probably, in my opinion, had the best trade day deadline out, out of anyone in the NBA. Uh, first move they made was for JaVale McGee. I think they lost um, they lost Plumley last year, who was like a little overpaid and um, wasn't great defensively off the bench as a backup for Jokic. I think McGee is a good rim protector. He can just run, um, you know, good rim runner. So I think he'll fill that void really well. Uh, they've kind of been like alternating on some small ball vibe and haven't really had a true successful backup this year for Jokic. So I think that's a good get for playoff time. And then I'm really interested to see Aaron Gordon, how he functions in this roster. I think it was a great move for them considering they lost Jeremy Grant last year. Uh, so Gordon can kind of fulfill that role in a sense. They're different players, but they're both like a long wing that can, you know, cover a LeBron or a PG or a Kawhi in a playoff series. Uh, so I think that was a big get for them. A big knock on Gordon is he kind of never really got to his potential in Orlando. Um, it's kind of a shitty organization, so I'm not really that surprised there. Uh, but he also kind of had to fill the void of like plant, doing a lot more. Uh, obviously, you have Vucevic, who was solid for them. Um, but he was like their premier wing talent. Um, so he, I think he, in this role, he's going to be no doubt like the fourth option. Like there's not even going to be like a debate that like offensively, it's obviously Jokic, Murray, and Porter Jr. ahead of him. So he can kind of just like actually have that focus on the defensive end, kind of own that role, be in a winning tradition, a winning program. Uh, so I think they got a lot better. Um, and in my opinion, they are, uh, without a doubt, the second best team in the Western Conference now. I know they're still record-wise, they're, probably, they're not up there yet, but come playoff time, if I'm a team worried about who I'm facing, number one is still going to be the Lakers, but that's I think Denver's right behind them. 
Got it. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I think clearly they tried to put some athleticism and length around Jokic as Jokic is is not the greatest um, uh, rim protector. I, I do think he is a little bit um, – I think people kind of – overstate how bad he is on defense but um but he's definitely not a rim protector and um and I do think it does put them in in second place in the west um I'd kind of put the Suns right behind them but I do think the Gordon and McGee um additions does does improve their team um their offense with Jokic being the center and especially if Murray can step up I think their offense is is kind of handled um, it's mostly just figuring out what to do on that defensive end with Jokic being the center. You know, you're just going to have to play around with different lineups. And I think the biggest thing with the Nuggets with these two moves um, and how it kind of differs from what the Lakers and Nets did is that um, the Lakers and Nets added pieces that m- may help them in certain situations. But I think the Nuggets added uh, Aaron Gordon and McGee who could actually play in crunch time minutes. Obviously, McGee might not play at the end of the game. Right, but still significant playoff minutes. Like significant. The, the Sixers yeah. literally lost that series to the Raptors the other year because they literally couldn't function when Embiid wasn't on the floor. Yeah. So, like, that's so important. And, like, yeah. like I said, they were bouncing around. Like, I don't even know. It was like Herman Gomez or one of the Gomez brothers. I don't know. What yeah, his name I, I don't remember. Um, like, he was playing backup center for them, and they were doing some, like, Paul Millsap. It was pretty bad. Uh, so I definitely think they got better there. Um, now you want to talk? Oh, no, they had Isaiah Hart Hartenstein or something. Okay. Um, real quick, you want to talk about your two favorite teams? I know you love the Clippers and you love the Hawks. They <laughs> traded Lou Williams and two firsts for Rajon Rondo. What'd you think of that one? All right. So I think it actually makes sense for both teams. Um, the Clippers are obviously looking for a point guard. Um, they just don't have one, and. Um, the reason why I think it makes sense for the Hawks is because uh, Rondo is a veteran and he wasn't playing a lot of minutes. Or well. um, I mean, he was playing all right. It was just, you know, you can't really look at his stats because he, he missed a lot of time at the beginning of the season. Yeah. But he just, he's more of a big game player at this point of his career. Yeah. Didn't he, and, he kind of sucked for the Lakers last year during the regular yeah, season? Yeah, exactly. Called out in the playoffs. Yeah. And, it, and if you're actually a contender like the Clippers, um, because the Hawks are not, I think Lou Will is more suited for this year's Hawks um, because they are just trying to make the playoffs and win, maybe even win around. And Lou kind of gives them some uh, veteran, you know, presence. I don't know about leadership, but you know, gives them scoring off the bench and is obviously not a long-term fit. So I think you know, it, I think that that was a good get for them. And then for the Clippers. Um, I, gonna, I do he think, has some leadership. He's going to bring the, he'll bring the wing. Uh, he'll it'll be wing. Cam, he'll bring Cam Reddish and uh, Hunter to the strip club. Tell him how yeah. to actually ball out in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, them lemon pepper wings. Leadership baby. on and off the court. Um, but yeah, the uh, I think the Clippers uh, do need do need Rondo more than need than they need uh, Lou Will to win a championship, and um. But however, I don't think it's enough for the Clippers because I don't see Rondo playing 35 plus minutes per game and running. Yeah, the whole what show. is he? He's got to be like 36 by now, right? Yeah, and he's he'll he'll be their main playmaker. 
Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that's it helps. not good. I honestly think it might probably helps them more off the court than it does on the court, like the veteran leadership in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, also, that's a good point. There was a, a re- there was a report the other day, like after like a loss or something like that, like, um, like just like they were all just like, walking out. Like Beverly was like upset that he didn't play well much or well. And like Paul George was just walking out on his phone, not giving a shit. And like Kawhi actually came out in the media a couple of weeks ago um, and said like, you can't just like turn it on like this isn't the type of team that can just do that and that that kind of like when Kawhi speaks like that in the media it's like oh shit he's actually gotta pay attention because like he doesn't he's like speechless all the time like fun guy doesn't doesn't do that so I feel like that's kind of significant that Rondo will definitely help them more off the court than on I mean if he gives them like a Lakers type run last year yeah they're like a they're a potential to you know get to the Western Conference Finals um, but personally, I, I, I didn't love the, I didn't really love the move for the Clippers. I do think like, in a sense, like, like I said, it's going to help them, but like, just like two, the fact that you had to give up Lou Williams and two picks for that just seemed like a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, they're so, desperate. Like they were last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. They, they just don't give a shit about any future assets because they don't really have any. So, I mean, Lowry would have been the perfect fit for them, but like we had talked about in the last pod, like they didn't have enough to go get him. Yeah. So what did you think? Uh, I know you mentioned a little bit about the Sixers. What did you think about the George Hill pickup? It was good. Uh, yeah, I was I was happy with it. It was kind of like the safe play. Um, it's good. Uh, it'll help them definitely uh, down the stretch this year. Uh, I think he can be in their closing lineups. He's a little bit better defensively than like, say, a Seth Curry would be. Um, you know, he's great catch and shoot three point shooter. He doesn't turn the ball over, which is big. Uh, another good part about it is it is a it's like a ten million dollar contract for this year and next year, um, so it is like a tradable chip if for whatever reason next like if someone a bigger fish became available uh, this off season it's like a it's a good contract and it, it would be an expiring at that point in time, uh, so I was really happy with it. I do think he'll help them this year. Apparently he has a really good relationship with Danny Green. Danny Green was kind of like talking to him, uh, recruiting him to come here a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I was happy with it. Like I said, I wouldn't mind uh, getting someone else on the buyout market. You know, like it's it's such a long shot, but like when I saw that report of Marcus Saul today, um, like potentially getting bought out, um, I was just like thinking like that would be awesome if we got Gasol. It's kind of like perfect because like first of all, you're just like always a little bit nervous about Embiid's health, but then you would have like that in a playoff series, you have like, obviously if you want to go with Dwight, that's fine. You have like that rim, rim protection, high energy, offensive rebounding. But like if Dwight goes into one of those like week or two week stretches where like he forgets how to catch the ball and like forgets how to dribble, like the Monstars took all his talent, then you could go with Gasol, a good passer, still like different defender, but still solid in the post. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's such a long shot and I literally just made that up, but like when I saw that today, it's yeah, like, oh, I, th- I, th- I agree with a lot what you said. And, um, I think that why, I mean, I had them above the nets before the trade deadline and why I still have them above the nets is I think Hill gives them, um, I think most importantly, what you said, um, is he's able to play in that closing lineup. Um, I think Curry being the cl- in the closing lineup is a big liability. So yeah. I think he'll, especially, you know, he's been in, in the final, he's been in the finals before. Um, he has good, strong veteran leadership. Um, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of playoff experience on the team. Well, actually, I guess Danny Green. Um, and Twitter, other th- which is crazy. 
Yeah, and Dwight. But other than them, um, I think another guard that, you know, is yeah, exactly. is, is really running the show, um, having that that impact. And then I also think that uh, the I, – I think it's good that they didn't, like, go too, too all in either on, like, that type of trade for Lowry. Like, I would – trust me, I would love Lowry. But, like, I, the four assets that I talked about, two picks and Matisse and uh, Maxi, it's just too much. I also think that Matisse is, like, kind of essential to – helping us defend Brooklyn. I'm not saying he's going to be in the closing lineup every night, but like if you have a lead in the fourth quarter against Brooklyn in the last three to four minutes, like a six point lead or something. And he's like shooting. Okay. In the series from three, like playing with like a little bit of confidence there, like it's going to be necessary to have him in that lineup just for defensive purposes. So I would have really been hesitant about getting Lowry and giving up, Danny Green and Matisse, because then you're just so thin at that wing defenders with only yeah. Ben. And I mean, Tobias has gotten a lot better, but like you can't just trust those to like in a playoff series against someone like the Mets. Yeah. I think uh, another team that made some improvements um, are are the Heat. Uh, they, they got Oladipo, Ariza, and Bielitsa um, from the Kings. Um, it see, it looked like they were very patient. Um, a lot of people were giving them shit for not getting hardened. Um, I mean, they got, they didn't have to give a give up a lot for. Riley's they ridiculous, got, man. Yeah, he's um, just he's just such a seasoned vet. It's like, yeah, I forget what it was. I think it was maybe it was like something with like, uh, Olin. I mean, essentially, he like turned like Olenek, Harkless, like and Bradley into like Oladipo. Um, who was the guy they got from OKC? You just said three, three, Ariza and Biel and Bielitza. Bielitza. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, without, I think they maybe like gave up like one, like one actual swap. rotation guy, yeah, but and like one pick swap, and yeah. Like, but it's a pick swap, it's like from like the difference between, I think it's like Miami and Brooklyn or something. So it's like, yeah, maybe five slots. So, I mean, yeah, hats off to Pat Riley, he's ridiculous. Um, how much do you think this, like, where do you think I think I think the they I think it's still they still need a little bit more for uh um for them to compete with the Sixers and the Nets um and I maybe think it kind of depends on what Bucks. Oladipo gives you. I was going to say that it it all it all depends cuz I I really do think Bam and Oladipo might be like perfect fits. Like they're yeah. both like gritty, tough, athletic players. Um I think they might be a perfect fit and then you put Butler around them. Uh, Hero, Ariza, Robinson, Dragic, Iguodala. I think they can be pretty, pretty um, competitive in the in this playoffs this year. But uh, I, think I don't see them going the, to the finals again. Yeah, I, I definitely think they're the top dog to knock off any of those three at the top of the standings right now. Yeah, you're probably. And right. I think that solidifies them. I think it'll, it's really it'll be good that they got Oladipo so that he can kind of run the second unit too. Uh, so like when Jimmy's off the floor, they've been absolutely horrible this year and like games he hasn't played and stuff. So he kind of at least gives them a little bit of like ball creation. I mean, he's not quite the level of Jimmy, obviously, but it kind of gives them a little bit of an insurance policy when he's not on the court. Yeah. Um, what about the Blazers? They got Norman Powell. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good move for them. Uh, it kind of seems like they, they had their mindset that they, uh, weren't going to pay, um, Gary Trent Jr. Um, who I kind of liked. I kind of, yeah, I, I liked honestly, him too. I honestly liked the trade for both teams. 
It um, seemed pretty lateral. Yeah. To me. I mean, I think Norman Powell's a better player right now. Uh, and I guess the Blazers are still kind of in that win now ish mode more. Um, and I think that Gary Trent Jr.'s timeline probably aligns a lot better with the Raptors timeline now with, you know, Siakam Van Fleet and whatnot. Uh, so I thought it was a good trade for both teams. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it, I don't think it, it really, it gives a blaze. Yeah. It gives the blazers a really strong backcourt, but I mean, that was never their problem. It was yeah, exactly. defensively. And, and we, we just honestly don't know. Like we thought they were going to be better defensively. They obviously had some injuries and stuff, but they, I mean, with Gary Trent and Covington, they were still a bad defensive team. So yeah. it's like, I mean, it's like Covington's how, not a great on the ball defender. He's just a help defender. Yeah. So like, yeah. they're just not, yeah it's just it's kind of a similar problem as last year where it's just like they are good they're super talented but like i just don't see them getting stops down the stretch of a playoff game yeah okay uh i think we covered most of them let's talk Uh, about vooch real quick last one um i was gonna say uh, go ahead vooch so yeah um i think chicago's like a really interesting team um not necessarily for this season i think the vucevic move kind of solidifies them in that like middle tier ground like the four through seven ish um because the steps that levine has taken this year uh but it's also just like an interesting uh move for them in terms of like their their direction in the long term Uh, they really have been pretty much non-existent since jimmy left and it kind of just i guess whoever their owner is uh just kind of decided like let's try to actually build upon something and ryan's, have like a reinsdorf cool... i think okay um so like actually have I made that, that um that they can kind of build upon now i mean i know levine is extension eligible this off season so we'll see where they go with that um, so I don't think it moves, moves the needle that much, but I think it kind of pretty much solidifies them as a playoff team now. And uh, you, they kind of have a direction because uh, I don't think they've had that since Jimmy's left. Uh, yeah, it's Jerry Reinsdorf. Reinsdorf, okay. Um, but yeah, I th- I agree with a lot. It kind of puts them in that middle group with the Hawks, the Hornets, Celtics, even the Celtics, yeah. um, the Knicks. Um, I think it does put them in that group. It gives them a little bit more direction, like you said. Um, I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see how Vucevic and Markkinen play together. Um, I think they're going to have Markkinen come off the bench. I don't think they'll they'll I don't think they'll start all of them. Got it. So yeah, but it'll that be, I mean they're going to be fun to watch. Like a Levine and yeah. Vucevic pick and roll, like that's kind of yeah. electric. Yeah, Vucevic is a very good, um, very good shooter, very good, very smart player. So three level score. Um, yeah, I I think he'll. Um, He'll he'll thrive in a uh, in the Donovan in the Donovan offense Bulls offense. I heard this um, on another podcast, but let's uh, as we wrap up, I'm going to toss a nice trivia question at you. Uh, okay. So, the last player before Vucevic to get traded at the deadline who was averaging 20 and 10, who was it? The last player 20 and 10 at traded the trade at the deadline. deadline. It's happened within the last four years. Kevin Love. That is incorrect. Uh, is it? My initial reaction before they told me the answer in the podcast was Drummond, but that was wrong too. Drummond. All right. So it's not Kevin Love. It's not Drummond. Could it be 20 and 10? Uh, hold on. Let me look at my. 
20 and 10. Insert the Jeopardy music. While Riyadh Googles the fucking answer. Is it Porzingis? No. Oh, I don't know. It was Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins. Got traded at the All-Star break. Hold on. You said in the last four years, what he got traded from the Kings, I guess? Yeah. To the... Who who did he get traded to? I don't know. I didn't get all those details and I shut <laughs> my brain off. Kings to... No, it was Kings to... Was um, it the, wasn't the Warriors... We're gonna no, Pelicans. Pelicans, yeah. yeah. Pelicans, baby. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we got them all. Obviously, there were some other teams that made some moves, but nothing uh, really worth digging into. Um, so we'll we'll continue to watch these uh, watch these teams with their new additions and subtractions and see how it goes and. Uh, We'll dig deep into certain matchups going into uh, the second half of the season. Um, so this wraps up this episode. We will continue to cover the most interesting topics throughout the season, and we expect this season to be a fun one. So we hope you can join us. Please rate and subscribe, and we will see you next time. Peace.